Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We're going to spend the next couple hours here on the Patrick Lally Show, engaged in our customary, energetic, and entertaining conversation. We hit a lot of local, state, and national news and politics. Uh, of course, you know that. We, we, we like to talk about the events of the day, whether that's news uh, in the political sense or in the, you know, uh, sort of news, traditional news outside the political realm sense. We'll do some of that today. Uber producer Dan Peters is in studio with us. Thank goodness, because... It's uh, we, we, we need Dan here. We need him because it's just kind of the glue that holds this thing together. Thanks for spending some time with us today through your radio at Information 1000 KSOO. Maybe you're streamed live at KSOO.com or on the KSOO mobile app, which I can't stress enough, people. Do me a favor, okay? Just go out and get the thing and just try it, all right? Make, just, it just, it's going to make me look good. I mean, that's really what we're talking about here. And Dan, Dan and I, and the rest of the KSOO crew. You got your Chad McKenzie and Beth Warren, Warden, Warren, Warden, Warden in the morning on the Main Street Cafe, 5 to 8 a.m. And, you know, we like to bring you people uh, our programming no matter where you are. And you can do that with the mobile app with the One Touch Streaming. And remember, you can always follow us along uh, from a lot of the show on Facebook Live. Uh, depending on the internet connection way over here in the corner of the Re- Results Radio Palace, this monument to broadcasting where uh, sometimes the Wi-Fi <laughs> doesn't quite get to the studio. But it, we're up and running today, which is good. And, uh, you, of course, you can always go to the Twitter account, at P. Lally Show, see what's going on in the world of uh, Dan Peters back there in the booth. Um, so... Uh, I went down to Saturday in the Park this weekend, uh, and I'm going to talk about that later in the show because it, w- it was awesome. But uh, around that, for some reason, so several years ago now, I I was I wanted to build a single speed bike, right? Because you people know that I, I I am a cycling enthusiast. I wanted to have a single speed with a flip flop fixie hub. You know what I'm saying? So one way. You could coast the other way, no coast, like a track. If the wheel turns, the pedals turn, right? No, that's a fixie, right? I wanted one of those. And I ran into this guy, and traditionally the way the hipsters would do this is you find yourself an old bike, and it's uh, uh, you just kind of make it out of a, some old bike, right? You peel all the gears and everything off it, if it had those, and you make yourself uh, some sort of, uh, you know, modded up hipster single speed situation with a lot of stickers on it. So anyway, so I run into this guy one day at the Black Sheep Coffee, the old Black Sheep over on 12th Street where I used to stop every morning. And uh, I don't I don't recall the details, but he was selling a Schwinn Varsity. Schwinn Varsity. If you remember those from your early days, the 70s and 80s, very popular bicycle. Came in uh, a few colors, but most significantly this sort of Iridescent green, Schwinn Varsity, sort of a Schwinn green that you didn't see anywhere else. And that's what he had. It was beat up, to be sure, but he wanted like 25 bucks for it or something. So I bought it from him. 
And uh, I get it home, and I completely tore it down, took every piece that comes apart apart, down to the frame, cleaned up the frame, put all the parts in a box, and then found a different bike <laughs> that I did it to. And I just left that one in the box, basically, uh, for years. And I was going through some stuff the other day. I found that frame, and um, I just thought, maybe I'll start putting this back together. So basically all weekend, when I wasn't like going to Saturday in the Park to see Jason Isbell, uh, I was putting this bike back together. And I wrote about it on KSO.com if you want to go see that, see a couple pictures. But it's coming along, Dan. This is going to be nice. Like the phoenix rising from the ashes. Yes. This and- Schwinn iridescent green edition, the Schwinn Varsity, yes. will make its return to the road. And I uh, went and bought a pipe cutter because I didn't have a pipe cutter because I wanted to cut down the bars. So, you know, it had those normal, you know, we called them the 10-speed. I think this one was actually an 8-speed. It's so old, it wasn't even a 10-speed. It was an 8. And uh, so it's got those Schwinn bars on it, and they're very, they're kind of small tubes. Uh, anyway, I went and got a pipe cutter, cut those things down, so they're just little horns. Again, you can see the photos if you go to KSO.com. But it, uh, I lost the wheels. <laughs> I don't have any wheels. So I'm trolling about on Facebook and a couple other sources, seeing if I can find somebody with some old Schwinn wheels because they're a little different size. That To make that work, they got to be the Schwinn wheels. Weigh about 10 pounds apiece, but they work. Yeah, there's there's not going to be these uh, these titanium no. lightweight deals. These are going to be the the heavy buggers. Yeah, it'll this thing will descend like crazy. <laughs> oh yeah, you'll get some <laughs> perpetual motion on these things. But Gravity yeah, getting the inertia started is another. Thing. Yeah, exactly. But uh, so that's coming along. So that's why I did all weekend in my hands, like you know uh, uh, any type of mechanic, anybody who like carpenters, anything like that. You you know plumbers. Uh, uh, car mechanics, but bike mechanics, your hands are, they're very strong. Well, I don't, my hands are killing me today from all the, you know, cleaning and screwing and unscrewing and YouTube watching, trying to figure out how to put it back together. That's the thing about the world now. When you have a project like this, you, you almost can't get stuck because I was, I was putting the crank arms back, you know, it's a single one piece of steel bent into a big S essentially with kind of a squared off S that is the pedals. And it, it's not very complicated, uh, but it goes to b- back together in kind of a particular way. And I kept trying the combinations and I wasn't getting it right. I'm like, what am I doing wrong here? And yeah, go YouTube, find some dude showing you how to do it. Same with the fork. No, yep. That's the right piece. I go, oh, it, it's easy. You can do anything with YouTube. Yeah, you can build a house with YouTube. For <laughs> I know out you can. Loud. I fixed a dishwasher with YouTube. I mean, that's. I don't fix dishwashers, Dan. I know. I fixed a toilet using YouTube. Wow, there you go. That's that's above and beyond. Well, the inside of the toilet, I would do. I got a problem with the toilet right now where I got a. It's rocking. I think there's something bad underneath. Ooh, rotted floors. It's my. That's worst case scenario. Yikes. I'm not. I have. I have deep concerns about that, so I've been afraid to look. So I called a plumber on that one, but just because I don't want to do it. But this bike is. It's awesome, and I'm going to get the wheels, and it's. It's going to be. It's going to be cool. So I'm. I'm very excited about that. But I just became obsessive about it. I didn't do anything else. I. I just like yeah. I'm be here in the garage, 
working on this bike. And it was great. It was good. So when I get that back together, I'll post some uh, more photos. It'll be cool. What'd you do this weekend, Dan? Anything like anything like that? No, did a kid exchange this weekend. So oh, we had yeah, we had right. one in Iowa, and so I've got got one back and sent two the other way. <laughs> and then we had some we had an impromptu friends stopping over, and they were let's see, it was it was one friend who had three others in tow, and they were on their way to a conference in the Twin Cities. Ah, uh, and the conference started at three o'clock on Sunday. But they really didn't want to leave early, early, early Sunday morning to cannonball it all the way to rap to uh, from Rapid City to the oh, Twin Cities. Sure. So they just said, "Hey, can we just stay Saturday night?" Well, sure. Yeah, so come on over. We could do that. Yeah, that's good. That's so, a nice, uh, nice, relaxing weekend for you. Then did a little hosting on that. that was, oh, oh yeah, that, that was good. Cool. We've got a great show for you today. Uh, Christy Egland of Sanford Health is here. She's going to tell us about this blood. There's a fascinating story, okay? Uh, it's, she's working on a blood test that will detect when uh, breast cancer is returning in women who have had breast cancer already, and um, there's a hook, and we'll tell you about the hook later in the show. Uh, the common man is our weird friend of the day. Yeah, he's going to talk about bugs. That's my understanding. It's all I know. And I'll have the P&L statement just after the break. Today's topic, stranded in Sioux Falls. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. 320 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. We're going to get a little closer to free here on the P&L Statement, that time of the day when we look through the news, find a few things that uh, anger us, you know, tweak our attention, as it were, make us curious, want to know more, that sort of thing. So today I was I saw this story in uh, uh, posted by your Argus Leader Media, uh, Pat Anderson's story. It's a fine story. It's about uh, it's a South Dakota's first passive apartments will also be affordable. And it's a story about this uh, apartment complex, series of three buildings that uh, they're building. If you go down, this is way southeast, okay, people out by Harborden Park, that baseball complex, further east from there, across Highway 11, almost to Iowa, right? And it's kind of out in the middle of a field out there right now. Uh, a lot of building going on out there in the southeast. Why we can't get a coffee shop, nobody knows. But... There's these apartments going in, and they're they're you know I you can see them over there, and they look pretty cool. Uh, apparently, they're very energy efficient, um, and it's they're, they're passive. Okay, they they uh, use this technology. They meet international passive house standards, which, as Pat puts it, a rigorous energy efficiency credential that only a couple other projects in the state have attempted to earn. So that's pretty cool. I mean, I thought so. I'm reading that. I'm da, 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 da. They're also affordable. Which is cool, you know, right? They're going to be, uh, there's, uh, uh, they qualify for federal low-income housing guidelines uh, if people earn 60% of the median income or less as a family, right? They've got one, two, and three-bedroom rentals. And that's, that's awesome because we need more affordable housing. So that's probably a bunch of tax credits on that. That's how that works. It works that way all over town. And, and I'm, I'm reading this and I'm thinking, well, that's pretty cool. Then it strikes me, right? Um, 
So there, there's other uh, federally subsidized low-income housing out in that neighborhood, and it's all mixed together. with, And that's good. You don't want to have, oh, you, if you're low-income housing, you only live in this six-block radius, right? And then everybody, that's not what you want. You want to have it mixed together. Uh, so this is wonderful. I think it's, it's great. Um, but here's the deal, all right? Uh, the fly in the ointment, if you will, on this development, um, and those that are like it out in the neighborhood, uh, all over the city, you have to be able to get there, right? And you have to be able to get to and from work, and you have to be able to get to and from school and uh, the daycare and, and the grocery store and everything else, right? Um, there's no form of transportation available to people living in this part of town other than an automobile and probably two of them. There's no bus route anywhere near this location, not even close. You'd pay a fortune for a taxi, even Lyft, and God forbid you'd hit the surge pricing. Had a guy the other day told me he spent 80 bucks on a Lyft. Bad timing. Now, don't kid yourself here. The developers aren't doing this because they want to help poor people. And they might. I'm not saying they don't. Not questioning their motives here. But there are tax credits. You get you get help to build low-income housing, which you should, and that's fine. Uh, I have no trouble with that. But it's up to the city. The city has to control how this happens, right? By allowing development of low-income housing out on the fringes of the city without transportation infrastructure of any kind to support this, we are taking the money out of the pockets of low-income families because they are now wedded to an automobile. They have no choice. In fact, they're going to pay more if they move out there because they're going to have to drive more to get anywhere. So it's a little counterproductive. And, and it's, it's not that I don't think we, should, we have to control and plan the way we grow. So a lot of the development has outstripped the infrastructure. And we're not talking about just, you know, sewers here. We spend millions and plan for years and decades ahead of time to have sewer and water in place for potential growth. But we don't do anything for transportation, which time and time again, and you hear it on the show all the time, is a huge, huge need. Now, if you're an upper middle class family with two, uh, uh, you know, suburbans in the driveway and you're driving all over, I mean, it's wasteful. But if you're doing all that, that's fine. You, You can afford it, right? You got the cash, you got the coin, you got the jing. But if you're making 60% of the median income as a household and you've got two kids and two cars, you are paying an enormous amount of your money in automobiles, probably. Now, you can bike from there, but it's tough. Mm, I do it, Uh, but I live closer to the infrastructure. But, you know, there's no other option for people. And so essentially what we've done by providing low-income housing, tax credit-based housing out there for these folks who need housing is we are subsidizing their use of their automobiles. And that's, that's not the way to run a city. And we have to just change our outlook a little bit. We need to just completely turn it over and look at it. How are we growing? 
And this is just a great example. Again, nothing against the Costello uh, companies who are building this thing. It looks really cool, all right? The, the, the energy efficiency part of it, awesome. It's amazing. Low income, awesome. Amazing. All that, really good. It's just it's no way for people to catch a bus. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. Agree or disagree with me, you can reach me, Patrick, at KSO.com. You can uh, throw us a tweet on the Twitters at P. Lally Show. Always great to hear from you. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, it's the common man and his serious bug problem. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Well, I rode into town on a crippled horse, got fired from a cattle drag up north. The ropes of the gallows was swinging in the breeze. All the wanted posters had pictures of me. I got Michael 45. 3.35 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And we welcome into the phone line here in the studio, as we do most Mondays at this time, the Common Man. Mr. Common, how was your holiday? Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Did you take a long, extended dip no, week? No. I didn't take any time off. I've got a little bit of vacation coming, other than the holiday itself, which I was, you know, spent doing the, the usual uh, hanging out in the backyard, eating hamburgers and hot dogs, and, and then watching it rain. <laughs> that's right, it rained. You know, no, and don't you think that that's secretly someplace there's, in the, like Sioux Falls Police, when we're gone, yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and the fire department. Oh, that's just got to be a godsend to those. I mean, because can you imagine spending the whole evening as a professional officer of the law, mm-hmm. driving around, seeing, you know, and it's, I don't think it would be even so bad with the kids, because you're going, hey, kids, mm-hmm. you know, you know, try to be safe, you know, don't be, but the, but the majority of that stuff is 45-year-old guys mm-hmm. who just, you know, are still four years old and still want to do, hey, hold my beer while I do this, <laughs> stuff with fireworks. Let's you tie know. them together. Oh, you know what? You hold yours, I'll hold mine. We'll point them at each other. We'll have, play, oh, we'll have a duel, you know, yeah. Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr with bottle rockets. Yeah, or, or uh, Roman candles. I've seen that, too. The fights, yes. <laughs> that was, but I actually did, in, in the levels of stupidity, you got, i got to own up to the one where we did, you know, the old, old golf uh, bag top, tubes at the head in there yes. to put your club in. Yes. No, we duct tape one end of those, and then we drop the bottle rockets in there, lit, yeah. and then aim them at each other, <laughs> which was you know right Smart. up there. <laughs> My yeah. uh, old neighbors back in the hood, mm-hmm. um, they uh, the boys were a little older than me, and uh, they would they actually made bottle rocket guns out of uh, copper tubing. Oof. Yeah, they you know. This was where I was going to, I should probably tell my other story about the neighbor. I was going to tell this uh, the other day. One of my neighbors, uh, I won't even use their last name because this is pretty bad. So they always were big into the fireworks and the bottle rocket guns and all that. And uh, one time, one of them, Rod, was walking around with like, you know, a couple of packs of black cats in his pocket. And uh, everybody smoked then too. And... (laughs) I think he was lighting a cigarette or something, and he he lit the pack of of fireworks. He got one of them lit in his pocket somehow, and they all go. He's in. His, he's wearing his pants, right? And he's first trying to get them out of his pocket. Well, that's clearly not going to work. And so basically, he just 
takes his pants off and throws them away. <laughs> They're oh. just blowing up. Uh, oh, I mean, times. he must have looked like, you know, Warren Beatty and Bonnie and Clyde at the end. <laughs> he was just jumping getting lit up. <laughs> oh, God, it was, that's high, that's good comedy there. I'll never forget that one. See, and it's, you know, that, when you could have made $10,000 from America's Funniest Home Videos. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We didn't have phones. You had your time. Uh, anyway, but here's the deal. You're right. So it rained, but people still, they still were oh. firing away. I think you just delayed it. You know, I was driving. We went and played golf in, in Laverne on, mm-hmm. on Saturday. Great, great place to play. Came back into town and, and played a little twilight golf. Came back into town after it was dark. And we're moving in on Sioux Falls, you know, and on uh, good old 90 there. Mm-hmm. And honest to God, you'd think the Tet Offensive was. <laughs> I mean, you could see it all over town. Just like, who's <laughs> going, oh, my God. It was like, you know, watching that CNN video when the Iraq War broke out. <laughs> That's it. I just don't, you just like, what? How much money is that? Right. You know, and that's, that's. Uh, God bless the uh, vendors and all. I want them to get their cut, but Mm -hmm. I I just can't believe that people will drop that kind of coin on, you know, that. I went out and I dropped 50 bucks out there and it gets to get some, some artillery. Yeah. Sparklers. Basically it was like three things. Snakes. No, yeah, no, snakes, smoke bombs, and uh, you know the little little tanks with a firecracker in them. <laughs> but no, I got, I wouldn't. I got I got some shells, you know. But uh, but the, then I then I realized I got home and I realized that one of Sioux Falls' finest has just moved in uh, two doors down from my house. Whoops! I thought that might be awfully convenient. Yeah, for him. that's not good. <laughs> Although in the in the uh, uh, spirit of neighborliness, I think he's probably got to turn a blind eye to that one. Well, I, I don't get that impression from him. <laughs> He's going to run an orderly neighborhood. <laughs> I, yeah, just some of our, our few encounters, I think that uh, he takes that pretty seriously. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you're going to have to maybe, you know, soften that one up a little bit before you start launching, you know, artillery out of the backyard. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, because I've got some decent stuff, so it's like, oh, hmm. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, the, I was sitting on the uh, patio last night, uh, enjoying uh, the lovely night air, mm. um, and I, it was still I couldn't see anything, but just like kind of a rolling thunder <laughs> sort of thing going on <laughs> off to the south. I, I, who that was a I mean I for a second I thought it was thunder, and I'm not kidding you. I don't know what they were blowing up down there. If it was somebody's delayed like fireworks, you know, actual like a town or something. Maybe Harrisburg had, wasn't able to do theirs on uh, on Wednesday. And so they, I, it was Sunday night. It was crazy. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, yeah, like you say, with the, the thunder and then the smoke. Sometimes that's the thing. Yeah. Is, I thought, you know, I thought it was Gettysburg, you know, going through. <laughs> they thought that, you know, Pickett was going to lead the charge. Out of the, it's amazing. Just just the pure volume alone, but uh, it's it, it's good. But you know, the one thing that does is it also you have know, enjoy time with pets around that oh, time because it, no. it's it's like dogs everywhere. The dog union needs to do something about the Fourth of July because <laughs> it's just you know mine goes and hides in my shower. Really? Yeah, he goes. We have a walk-in shower, so he goes and he's, he he hides in there, and and so it's which is kind of a surprise in the morning when you turn the water on. <laughs> For everybody involved. Oh yeah, that's not not something to see. No. 
I had a cat jump out of the tub the other day when I wasn't quite expecting it. That was that was an experience. But that's hey, you know what though? I was ta- I was thinking about this too. Uh, I, when I was sitting on the deck, uh, uh, bugs. You got the bugs over there? Yo, oh God, I, I, I have a problem. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, what? You know what? I'm going to carry We got to do a quick commercial here. We're going to tease that? We're going to tease that. We're going to carry you carry you through the commercials. Is that all right, all right. Common? I'm we're, on it. We're going to come right back and chat more with the common man about his bug problem. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 346 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we bring back into the conversation uh, the common man on an extended dance play version of Weird Friends, which is basically how we do it now. Uh, Mr. Common, um, uh, we were going to, uh, we were talking about bugs. Mm-hmm. And I, so, you know, usually you know, the city sprays for the mosquitoes, which is mm-hmm. fantastic because of the West Nile, and I get all that. And but the other, you know, with all the rain, like about a, uh, maybe like five six days ago, uh, the mosquitoes came back with a vengeance, right? Right. And the the gnats were still here, and then over the weekend, biting flies. Okay, I was trying to just sit and enjoy an adult beverage after working on my bike, uh, biting flies. And then uh, last night, uh, I'm sitting on the deck, and those little black things, that the ones that like getting in your wine glass so much, mm-hmm. um, th- th- they start raining down on me like hail. It- it's like a, it's like some sort of weird bug convergence. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and is there someone we need to let go? I mean, <laughs> what's the, with the plagues? I, I don't get it. I mean, it, go ahead, leave, fine. <laughs> I don't care. Let my people go. Let my people go. But I've got Japanese beetles. What is that? And I didn't realize, but a couple years ago, a bunch of, a couple years ago, my daughter on on, uh, Earth Day brought home this little apple tree that I didn't want (laughs) (laughs) and said, Dad, let's plant it in the backyard. Oh, great. Okay, good. So there it is, and it's gotten up there. It's a nice little tree. And now now I've, of course, your kids bring home pets, creatures, trees, and they leave, and then you keep them. So now I'm just, now I'm attached to this dean thing, and so I look up in there the other day. I'm watering it and looking at it, and and there's these half inch long, green, yellow backed, gold backed beetles all over this thing. What? Yeah, just and they're and they're and they're like God. Look at the size of those things. So and I go and I. Google them up, and I'm looking and so what, what the heck? God, I captured one, you know, you know, cut cut off a sentry, pulled him inside, and interrogated him. <laughs> Who are you working for? Who are you working for? <laughs> and and I, you know, I look him up and Google him up. I go, okay, that's the one Japanese beetle, and they eat these, you know, little things that have a like a fruit trees. They eat the meaty part out of the leaf and leave all the veins, so you end up with these kind of lace remnants of leaves on your tree that's bizarre and so i said all right that does it now it's on all right <laughs> so how do we get rid of them so the, I, I googled that i said all right well how are we going to end this right now mm-hmm. and the, the first suggestion it says well to rid yourself of the japanese beetles you can pick them off by hand yeah, there you go gather them in a bag <laughs> and then dump them into a bucket of water to drown them <laughs> 
And I said, Mike, well, where on earth are we doing that? Uh, that seems a little bit labor-intensive. I said, I just want to kill them. I don't want to send a message. <laughs> I mean, I don't want their families to go, ooh. You know, I'm not, I'm not, oh, I'm not quite God. that cruel. I just want you to, you know, a little, little spray thing or whatever fall off, and we're done. And then, but, but then the worst part, the thing that really irritated me about looking at them, Patrick, is, mm-hmm. you know, they're all up in the, in the leaves and stuff. Not only were they eating my leaves, but I could tell that there was there was some insect happy time <laughs> going on. I mean, there there was some some conjugal relations happening in my tree. So basically, I was running the, the you know the entomological version of the Playboy Mansion, <laughs> and I wasn't going to sit for that. <laughs> uh, got it? Well, what, There's kids in our neighborhood? <laughs> did you? Well, you got to get some sort of shroud and like fog them out. What? Oh, I let it happen. You know, I, I went in and I talked to our, my, our good friends at several places and uh, got got it squared away. Got got the right tool, and I went out there and I sprayed that that tree. And, and the best part was, you know, they're all on there to begin with, not unknowing. And I hit them with the the tree spray, and they, you know, it was like you know uh, the zeros that you know they just go, spinning off into the sea. I'm like, yes, yes. So, <laughs> so then we inspected today. I said, "All right, well, it's, you know, you get a couple of you know, the, the dumb ones. Let's see if I got them all." Yeah. So I go out there a day in the sunshine of day when they're most active, and there wasn't one to be found. Oh, you have you have eliminated. It's the great Japanese beetle genocide <laughs> of 2018. I know. I feel. I feel. Uh, you know, like the insect version of Genghis Khan. <laughs> Were they just like falling from the oh, sky? Oh, just spinning and you know, just, ah! I'm going, and of course, as I'm watching them all die like this, I'm going, I'm inhaling this. <laughs> <laughs> I should, a breather maybe? Can I get just a wet t-shirt over here? <laughs> just go, yeah, you know, I don't have an ectoskeleton, but uh, you know, <laughs> I'm, I am inhaling this. <laughs> you seem all right though today? You got, you're seeing all right? I mean, you got... So far, so okay. so far, so good. No uh, spots. You know, haven't felt the urge to land my back and stick my legs up in the air. You know, <laughs> That's good too. Yeah. These, these are all good signs. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm glad that was successful, but that doesn't. I mean, I I need to get out and just spray everything. Just de- just deep the entire place. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the other thing, too, because the mosquito sprayer, like you say, goes by. Yeah. You know? and, 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 of course, I think they, they monitor my home. Oh, is he going for his walk yet? <laughs> Let's go drive by him now. And they're very nice. You know, when they go by you, they shut it off. <laughs> and then they, you know, but then they're, they're 30 feet by you, which is what you're going to walk into, and they turn it back on. You got nowhere to go. I still think it's nerve gas. I do. I... It- as as I believe them, you know, it's safe, and I love killing the mosquitoes, but when I don't want to be in the fog, you know, I don't want to be standing there when they come by. <laughs> you can hear them coming three blocks away. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, do you think it's, a, it's, it's the gas that, you know, makes you want to live in South Dakota? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. you know, it makes you vote for politicians who ride horses. <laughs> that's... that's that's what that stuff is. That's right. It's it's a little behavior modification. I have an incredible urge to eat chislick. <laughs> right after the mosquito sprayer comes. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, we were going to talk about the twins, but we don't have time. So, uh, but they're 
they're in their 14 day road trip. They're four and three. So you you said they had to go nine and five. Nine and five to be on the road to respectability to at least be relevant. But yeah, no, we'll four see. and three. <laughs> yeah, that's not where we wanted to be. But uh, did you bring a joke for us? That's oh, what yeah, a real for. short joke, and right. I had, and it's it's a little you know, but I I cleared it with the uh, embassy. I, I talked to my wife and said, <laughs> hey, you know, how about this joke? And she says, well, all right. So I, I have Fire got away. this approved by the uh, standards and acts. And he says, so <clears throat> the joke is, is Google male or female? I don't know. Is Google male or female? Well, it's female, and you can tell because you can't finish a sentence without it offering a suggestion. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah. Let's get us all <laughs> your, get us all cards, letters, on. emails, and tweets. Yeah, to that's right. Patrick Lally Show. Patrick at KSO.com. Uh, <laughs> Common Man, thank you, as usual, for brightening my day. Oh, glad to be here, Patrick. Thank you. Coming up after the news and weather, well, after the news with Dan, we're going to talk about the weather with Sam Gabrielli of KSFY Severe Weather Center. Stay tuned. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. This is a public service announcement with guitar. Three fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Hey, you know this weekend is the big extravaganza, Hot Harley Nights, July 12, 13, 14, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. There's all kinds of stuff going on with this event, as you know. Family night on Thursday. There's a ret rotten wall of J and L death performances. What? That's all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, get all the details at KSO.com on the event calendar. We'll be talking about it all week, though, so there you go. Coming up after the news, we're going to talk about the weather with Sam Gabrielli, and then we're going to have uh, Krista Eglund, and she's going to talk about cancer research. It's going to be very interesting. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSO. Four fourteen on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Jason Isbell flying over water. Uh, I went to the show uh, over the weekend, Saturday night, down in uh, Sioux City, with Jason Isbell headlining. Boss Gags played. I didn't catch a lot of Boss Gags, but I caught all of Jason Isbell. Such a great, great show. He played this one, Flying Over Water. It's just an amazing song. Comes with a nice passage here. Take my hand, baby, Yeah, I was singing that at the top of my lungs. Good crowd down in at Sioux City, and I, I wrote about the show and the experience at KSO.com if you want to go read a little bit about that. See my uh, my arty, arty iPhone photo.
It was nice because uh, he often uh, travels with his wife, uh, Amanda Shire, and she is very talented and uh, has she's a fiddle player and has her own uh, band. She has a album coming out August 3rd, I think. And now I'm kind of getting to be an Amanda Shire fan. Uh, I hadn't listened to much of it before, but I wanted to find out what this new record was all about. So I tuned it in and, and it was... It is really good, so I, I highly recommend Amanda Shire as well. You know, you people already know that I'm a, I'm a huge uh, uh, Jason Isbell fanboy, uh, and a lot of people down there from Sioux Falls that I saw, which was good. Disgruntled former city commissioner Matt Staub, in fact, sat with him for a little bit. He was, he was in rare form. So was this one uh, one of those instances where you said, hey, let's hook up, or you just have, hey, there you are? Well, I, knew, I knew he was going to be there. I knew, so, yeah, that that was part of it. Right. But no, did I you actually know where he was going to be? No, I did not plan to sit with disgruntled former city commissioner Matt Staub. Uh, and so I, we sat with him for a little bit. But when the show started, he had chairs. He came prepared. We went down in front of the stage and we, we stood for the Jason Isbell portion. And it was, I mean, it was just a great show. I've... And I was a little worried, you know, that he wouldn't live up to my to the last time I saw him, which was at the pavilion here, and it was just really, really good. And Nick, you know, nobody can be great every night, but it was it was really good. And Amanda was there because he doesn't she doesn't always tour with him, and that makes a big difference from what I'm told from disgruntled uh, former city commissioner Matt Staub says that you know he's seen him now eleven times, and he's going to go to see him in Montana. He says when she's not there, it's not quite as good. He's just not quite. But when she's there, it's just great and uh the whole saturday in the park thing i haven't been for a few years because i've been out of town over the fourth of july holiday uh for many years and so i was able to go this year and I, and uh it was it was really good and uh, saturday in the park like i said they really we had dave bernstein on the show on friday and it's amazing how well that show is run a lot of people there but they the the city has just a stream of shuttle buses. So they're using city buses, moving people from the Tyson Event Center parking lot up to Grandview Park. It's not terribly long ways, a couple miles. But, you know, it's just in a residential neighborhood. So, But I didn't even use the shuttle. We parked five blocks away. Um, but it's just, everything's just smooth, you know? And it's plenty of everything. You don't have to, it's just really good good concert and a great event and uh part of it is that amazing park it's just a natural amphitheater it's sort of like terrace park only three times the size uh but and then this uh, really cool uh a band shell that was built during the 30s during the by the wpa and just it's a wonderful atmosphere uh fireworks afterwards uh you know everybody having a good time and i i'm just continually amazed by that show when i go down there i've seen some great they were showing the different posters from all the different years up on the big screen and you know i was remembering shows that i saw uh, ziggy marley and uh you know uh, just bb king and and the avette brothers and yeah, it's just one after another where you're going god how did i miss that one you know i maybe been half a dozen times and uh neville brothers i saw the neville brothers that was pretty good I saw ziggy that was pretty good so I, and I can't say enough about that, about how well they do that show. Not that the Jazz Fest here is not a fine event, because it is. But it doesn't have the same ambiance because of the park. It's big, flat park. 
Um, it's a stage they have to build out in the middle of nowhere. Um, it's a little tougher to get to. Um, all those things kind of combine, and I don't know. It's the original, you know. Let me ask you about the how many about how many people are there, and do they set up video screens for viewing from afar? Yeah, there's one big video screen, and there's you know it's hard to tell how many people are there because there's the main sort of area. And then there's like these hills in the back and there are people up there. And then there's a second stage over the hill that you can't even see. And you could hear it a little bit. There's like a techno dance party going on there when we left. But And so it's tough, but it's thousands, thousands of people. And the beer garden is up off of the main area. So, but it's still, it's fine viewing up there. It's all sort of the back of the amphitheater. So it's it's really just a perfect spot, which is, one of the things that they have really going for them, but it's just really well run. Dave does it. Dave and the crew down there, the volunteers, amazing amount of people. It's just, they've been doing it now for whatever, since 91. So let's compare it now to the Levitt shell, which mm. will be a facility to be built here in Sioux Falls and how that will translate to performances, maybe not along the scale of what you witnessed no, in Sioux city, so. but, right. but what is coming and that will, um, how is that going to translate? I think that's going to be a really cool facility, but it clearly, I mean, it holds a lot of people, but not, not, it's not as big as Grandview Park, clearly. But uh, at least it's sloped, <laughs> you know. Um, I, I think Levitt will be cool, but it's going to be small. I mean, it's, I don't think it's going to be really grand in scope, but very frequent, you know. They just named their uh, executive director or whatever the, the, the title is. And it's, uh, um, I can't remember her first name now, but her, uh, her husband ran, ran for mayor when Munson got his second term. So, uh, see, uh, man, I'm losing it over here. I should be able to remember these things off the top of my head. I can see them as plain as day. Well, that's yeah. what happens sometimes. Yeah, you, well, you need too to many pull rock that out. and roll shows. That, you know what I'm saying? And then, uh, so she's, so they've got that all in place. That's going to be really, really cool, but it just doesn't match that kind of atmosphere. And they only do it once a year, obviously. And they seem to get good weather every time. I don't know how that works, but every time they get good weather. But they got food. and Oh, it's impressive. But Jazz Fest is coming up, and uh, I think we're going to go this year. So that'll be – when is Jazz Fest, Dan? you got to look that up for me. Sometime. I think Jazz Fest – well, 24th, this, this weekend is Hot Harley Night, so yep. Jazz Fest, that will be 19th, 20th, 21st. Got it. That'll be awesome. I think uh, the Thunderbirds guy's playing. Uh, yep, the fabulous Thunderbirds. Yeah, the uh, Jimmy Vaughn, not Stevie Ray Vaughn, who I yeah. saw, by the way, when he was here. A yeah, lot of people just, say they were at that show. I was at that show. Stevie Ray Vaughn, God rest his soul. Yeah. That, he, I was, that was pretty impressive. And I wasn't, I'm not really a f- huge fan of that kind of music, but he was good. Oh, man, yeah. Stevie Ray Vaughn, you, could, you have to respect the talent that he had. Yeah, sure. it was it was an amazing thing to watch. Um, so Jazz Fest coming up, uh, and a lot of shows going on though. It's just a lot. Oh, and for the record, the CEO of Levitt at the Falls is Nancy Halverson. Halverson. I was going to say Severson. I knew that wasn't right. Bruce was her is her husband, and he was a mayoral candidate. They moved away, and now they're back. So that'd be pretty cool. But I think that's also it's going to be all kinds of different music. You know, I I don't know that it's going to be something I go to. You know you know 20 times a year but i think it's pretty awesome that they're going to do it down there the construction is because they're building a huge 
apartment, mixed-use facility across the street from Levitt, and the Levitt's going on at the same time. If you go through there, Phillips of the Falls is like a corridor of construction. A lot going on. And then when Sue Steele gets out of there, man, it'd be neat. Bob's your uncle. <laughs> or have you ever, have you never heard that phrase before? Okay, I have from you. Oh, yes. And I laugh every time because it's funny. Anyway, uh, Isbell was awesome. If you don't know Jason Isbell, man, look him up. You won't be uh, disappointed. The, the thing I can't understand is why the man's got four Grammys, right? He is a tremendous artist. But in the world of country music, eh, nobody knows who he is. Who was here last night? The, the Tug, Tug McGraw? Tim, oh, Tim McGraw and Faith Hill. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I'm not trying to take anything away from their talent, but they are not. In terms of songwriting and musicianship, I don't care. They're not Jason Isbell. That guy and that band will blow you away. Well, and I would I would second that because I don't think Tim McGraw, his chops are not in songwriting or in instrumentation. So Jason Isbell, you, you bring you bring what he can do yeah. with with an instrument in his hand, Just, then then you put him on par with country stars like Keith Urban or Brad Paisley. See, and, and I, I know Keith Urban's a very talented guy, but these song, here's and here's where it is the difference for me is the songs in pop country tend to be very unsubstantial, and I, I can't speak for all of them. I know there's there, but you know, and on the good side, I mean. Isbell had the number one country album in the country when it came out, okay? So I know that there's an audience out there for him, but I don't understand the difference between sort of mega country pop stars and a guy like Isbell. But I I probably shouldn't be surprised because it's the same thing in pop music, right? It's the same thing. It's like bubblegum pop with a cowboy hat, some of this stuff, opposed to lyrics that are emotive and just convey an image and a and a story that is so richly told you know and that's what i the is will make you cry he will make you cry every time you listen to uh uh the nashville sound or southeastern which are two of his records i just go get it people i can't say enough about him we're gonna listen to just a little bit of this as we go out we'll come right back with the after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to talk with Christy Eglund, who is with Sanford Research. We're going to talk about a blood test for breast cancer's return. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Did we leave our love behind? And there's a waitress with a sweet tattoo. She's gorgeous and in love with you. 435 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And I'm very happy to have in the studio with us today, Christy Eglund. She is a scientist with Sanford Research here in Sioux Falls. And she is working on a very interesting blood test that we're going to talk about in a minute. But first of all, Christy, thanks for coming in the show today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Um, So you are a uh, a scientist. You're a researcher. um, And tell us a little bit about what you're working on. Right. So um, I study breast cancer, and the goal of my lab is we want to find targets for drugs and also markers so that we can better diagnose or detect recurrence for breast cancer. 
Now, uh, how long have you been working on exclusively on breast cancer? Right. Um, I started in the year 2000. I was a postdoctoral fellow. I was continuing my training at the National Institutes of Health out in Bethesda, Maryland. Yeah, and so you started then. Um, um, but the interesting uh, thing about your story is that you are actually a breast cancer survivor. Yes. And so did you, were you working on breast cancer when you discovered you had breast cancer? How did that work? I was working on breast cancer when I discovered I had breast cancer. That's exactly right. And one would wonder, how could a breast cancer scientist who thinks about breast cancer and looks at it under the microscope and grows it in the lab could possibly have a tumor? And my tumor was four centimeters large. And the answer was, I was nursing my son. And so I didn't feel the lump. Hmm. And it wasn't until I finished nursing that I noticed I had a lump and I just felt nauseated because... I had a really bad feeling, and I knew what it meant. Yeah, and so what year was that? That was the year 2007. Okay, so you had been working in it for uh, a while. Seven years, yeah. yeah, and I was 37 years old, so I was very young, and there wasn't any breast cancer in my family, so there's no reason to think you know, right. that I would develop the disease. Now, is there some correlation between, um, uh, d- does do women uh, often find a tumor after they've been breastfeeding, or how... You know, is there some, had you just not looked before, you know what I mean? Did you not notice it until after you, or during breastfeeding, is there some reason the breastfeeding made it something you right. noticed later? I don't think that breastfeeding causes the tumor. Mm-hmm. I just think it was bad timing. Uh, and so therefore, I just, I couldn't detect it because when you're nursing, it's very lumpy and full of milk. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to tell the difference between that and a solid mass. So you you were just had a child. Yes. And then how, did you, how long did you continue to nurse? I mean, what was the timeline between that and getting treatment? Well, um, so I have two children mm-hmm. and uh, I have a girl and then a boy. And um, when after, so let me think, I guess... After I was diagnosed, I was completely done nursing mm, and okay. moving on. It was like about a year after Clark was born. I see. Right. And then I started treatment, and it was very difficult, the treatment was. I, I went um, a bilateral mastectomy, and then I had reconstruction. And then after that, I also went with eight rounds of chemotherapy, and then 33 radiation treatments. Oh, my. It takes a very long time. Um, I th- it's not like you just have a sore throat and they give you antibiotics and you're fine in 10 days. I mean, this is a month's worth of treatment, and you're exhausted. Yeah, and you've got two little kids. And I had two little kids, and I wasn't able to lift anything heavier than a gallon of milk. Yeah. And so the burden went upon my husband and my family and friends. And where were you living here at the time? I was living here, yes. And working for Sanford? Yes, I was. I was diagnosed here, treated here, and I'm going to say I was cured here. Yeah. Do you think that uh, being a scientist and involved in the uh, research, that you were a better or worse patient? Oh, I was awful. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and that's kind of where my science, you know, went. Because I'd have all these questions. Well, how come we can't detect whether or not it's working? Why don't we know if there's still cancer cells in my body? Mm-hmm. And nobody had the answers because we don't have the technology yet in order to detect the cancer cells. And it was hard to just, 
your your mind just kept looking for answers. Oh yeah, and I to preoccupy myself, I actually um, arranged to store all the tissue from my um, normal breast and from my breast tumor, and so it's um, paraffin embedded, and so um, I actually have it in my desk drawer, and I pull it out, and I want to feel invincible, and we use it in the lab to optimize all of our assays because the gift of tissue for patients to give us in their blood is so precious and we need these for our experiments. And so if I can use my own in order to make the assay perfect before we use it on the patients, that's what we do. So let me understand this. Yeah. (laughs) You are actually using your tumor in your research. Right. So I don't... Yes, I don't use it to actually when, you know, say we have 100 patients and um, we quantitate, you know, the answer. I use it before um, we, we look at all 100 patients. Is that, uh, what, when you're doing that and you're looking at this mass and you're, uh, what are you thinking about when you're working on it? It gets easier as, as time goes on. Um, at first, I, I think it actually gave me hope because the tumor was no longer in my body and I have control over it. As a scientist, I need control. And so it made me powerful. What's it look like? It's kind of brownish and, um, and some places are kind of dark brown. But when we, we section it, to be like five microns thick. So it's very, very thin on a microscope slide. And cells will be transparent unless you put stain on them to see them. Mm. And so we usually stain it with like pink and um, blue, depending on if it's the nuclei or if it's stromal tissue. And so actually it's very beautiful (laughs) under the microscope. (laughs) That is. (laughs) Is there any sort, I mean, there's hope when you look at it, but is there a sense of some sort of uh, professional and scientific satisfaction? Uh, about you know, contributing your own tissue? Yeah, I know. It was very satisfying. I figure if I'm going to go through this, I'm going to make the best of it, you know, and take everything I can get. Yes. That's, And it's in your desk drawer? Yeah. When you say oh, yeah. paraffin, what... what um, wax. Okay. So, so what they do with tissue is they fix it with formalin, which is like formaldehyde that everyone always thinks about. Mm-hmm. And then they, they um, heat up, well... Technically, they get rid of the water by doing alcohol washes, Mm -hmm. and then they heat up wax, and they force the wax to take the place of the water, and then you get a nice solid block. And the coolest part about about this um, histology is that the tissue under the microscope looks just like it would in your body. So it, it keeps its 3D architecture, so you can look at structures and see the ducts, you know, and the lobules, and yeah. It's, it's really cool. I love looking at <laughs> tissues under the microscope. So We're going to come right back and talk more with Christy Eglin. She is a scientist with Sanford Research. We're going to find out how working on her tumor and her experiences and her work towards a, a, a blood test that helps discover the reoccurrence of breast cancer. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Away. 448 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 
And we return to our conversation with Christy Eglin. She is a scientist with Sanford Research, and she specializes in breast cancer research. And we have been uh, talking about her own experience as a survivor and uh, how difficult that was and the fact that she uh, uses some of her own tissue for research, which is an amazing story in and of itself. But let's talk about the other side of that, Christy. What, uh, what exactly are you trying to do? What are you working on now that you are hoping will show some results? Right. So my passion is actually detecting recurrence before physical symptoms. And right now, what's a common way to diagnose recurrence is when the patient comes in with, say, a bad chest cold, mm-hmm. and they have a tumor in their lungs, um, or like their, their bone, say like their back hurts, and they don't know why the back hurts, and it turns out they have a tumor on their spine. Mm. Yeah, and so it's, it's really tough. The question, I, I would say, being a breast cancer survivor, the breast cancer survivors, we're not afraid of the primary tumor. We can get rid of that primary tumor, and if it's caught early, 99% of the time, you can be cured, you know, and we can get rid of it, and we can fight it. It's the metastatic cells that are very, very scary. And so that means that you actually have breast cancer cells that were in the breast, and they move to other areas of the body. Mm-hmm. And, and is that, yeah. uh, you, you, we always talk about that, it has metastatized, I told you I can't say words. No, it's metastasized. Um, and is that, does that happen like before the treatment or does it happen because the, the tumor, the cells are reacting to the treatment? I mean, are they fighting back? So I think it happens before the treatment um, and, and it would be, um, so for example, like I had a very, very aggressive cancer and it didn't have any target, targetable drugs. So I had chemotherapy, which targeted um, fast-growing and dividing cells. And so if I did have cancer cells in somewhere else in my body, chances are they would have been killed. Mm. But that's not necessarily the tr- you know, true for everyone in that um, you, could, you would have cancer cells in other places of your body, and they may not be affected I by see. the drugs. That's, because there's as many different, I mean, there's all kinds of different cancer yep. types and different kinds of drugs, and you don't know. One, that's one of the benefits of, of genetic research, right, is trying yes. to match the drugs yep. to the, the cells. Right. Um, so your work is to do what? So you are trying to find reoccurrence. What does that mean? Right. So I figured instead of trying to look for the cancer cells, I'm going to look for some physiological response in the body. And our immune system is amazing. It can tell the difference between a cancer cell and a normal cell, and it reacts to it. And so it makes what we, um, a protein called an antibody that recognizes cancer proteins, it recognizes the cancer cell, and it warns the body that it's like a flag saying there's cancer here. And it's very sensitive by looking um, for these antibodies. They're present in the blood, Mm -hmm. and so it's a very easy procedure to get blood. Mm -hmm. And, um, And so... You're working on a on a test. Yes. So the, we're working on a on a blood. blood test. Got it. That's right. And the immune system has a memory. And so we have defined seven different cancer proteins and we can look at the reaction against those proteins and we can differentiate breast cancer from normal. Yeah. And the idea is it's kinda like you get a flu vaccine. So um, we introduce 
the flu proteins into your arm, right? Yeah. And your body like has an immune response against it. And that's why it kind of gets inflamed and it's sore. Right. But then if someone comes along and they sneeze on your microphone and you get inoculated again with, the, you know, influenza, your body remembers it and right. it immediately makes a response. And so we've shown in the lab that over time and over treatment, these antibody levels go down and we're hoping, we're hypothesizing that if you have a recurrence, the body will then remember those cancer proteins and the response would go back up. Uh. That's amazing. Right. And so uh, that's, you're trying to find that. Are you, do you, are you having success? I mean, what are, yeah. Well, so we, we are now working with a group called Inanovate, mm-hmm. and um, they originated in Research Triangle Park in North Carolina in August of last year. They've moved up here, and they're in the Zeal building. Oh, okay. And they have this wonderful new platform technology where they're not just looking at one point in time, they actually are looking at the interaction between the antibody and the cancer protein for different iterations and cycles. And so we That's can- amazing. I mean, well, I, I, we, we don't have time to get into that, but that just sounds fast, incredible. So you're working with them- Yes. And on, on the blood test. That's right. And it's like they have the iPad and I have the app. Right. And it's <laughs> like good. this perfect relationship. And it's yeah. it's homegrown because we are all in Sioux Falls. That's amazing. Christy Eglin, uh, she is a scientist with Sanford Research. She is herself a breast cancer survivor working towards a blood test to find the reoccurrence of breast cancer in women. Christy, thank you very much for your time and your story being here. And good luck to you. Thank you. We'll be right back to finish up the show with Dan Peters. Information 1000 KSOO. <laughs> 458 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And uh, I said earlier it's Hot Harley Nights this weekend. You know what else it is? Brookings Summer Arts Festival up in Brookings, South Dakota. That's Saturday and Sunday. Pioneer Park. 10 a.m. to 7 Saturday and 10 a.m. to 5 on Sunday. Over 200 artists from across the nation will be selling handcrafted works of art. Food vendors, antique booths, children's area, entertainment, and of course, more. There's always and more. For more information on that event and anything else going on in the Sioux Empire, go to KSOO.com. You're going to want to stop by the show tomorrow, 3 to 5 Blogger Corey Heidelberger of Dakota Free Press will be here. Corey is always a great interview and a good source of information on politics. The Boon Man is the weird friend of the day. We're going to have a grand old time here tomorrow. Come on back. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO.